Heavenly Father, this morning, as we've uh, worshipped through you through music and, uh, and fellowship together, I ask that you'll just continue our worship of you by you speaking to our hearts. Help us to understand you, to see a better picture of you, and just to really get a glimpse of the indescribable God that we know and love. So bless us now, in Jesus' name, amen. If this afternoon, after you ate your haystack, you get in your car, and you go north on 429, and you get on I-75, and you just drive north, and you keep going, and you go past the Florida-Georgia line, and you keep going, you'll finally end up in Atlanta. Now, we've got some people from Atlanta that are here this morning, from Austell. Actually, went to Marietta. I didn't even realize that until this morning. But um, if you get to Atlanta, you go down the middle of Atlanta, and you get to see this bad boy right here. Here he is. There it is. That golden Capitol building in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, as a little kid, my family would, uh, we'd be driving downtown Atlanta. My dad would say, whoever can see the Capitol building first gets to ask any one of the family members to tell a story. So this is a fond memory of mine to see this golden Capitol building. And if you parked your car in the parking lot and you walked inside, underneath that golden rotunda, you'd see statues of, of different people, including the, the Nobel Peace Prize winner, Martin Luther King Jr., and if you kept looking around, you'd see showcases, here's a picture of them, uh, with artifacts from all over Georgia, special parts of Georgia, farm implements and, and peanuts and all sorts of just artifacts from the state of Georgia. And if you continued your tour, you would find something that's very, very unique. And here it is. Here's a picture of him or her. I don't know. Look at that. A two-headed cow. Can you imagine that? This is a special cow, one of, one of a kind cow. Um, I don't know its name, but it was born in 1987 in the town of Palmetto, Georgia. Can you imagine the surprise of Mama Cow when her baby comes out with two smiles? Uh, can you imagine the farmer thinking, what do I do with this thing? And apparently someone thought it was unique enough to put it in the Capitol building as an artifact of the cool things, the, maybe the freak things that come out of Georgia, I don't know. Unique, that's for sure. As we've been journeying on this journey of describing the indescribable God, we've been looking at many different attributes of who he is. We've looked about at his, his patience, his love, his holiness, his justness. But there's one part of him that I think is so unique to a God that only a God of love could have. And it's this unique quality that only God has, and that's the quality of forgiveness. Micah, the prophet Micah, as he closes out his book in the Bible, he writes several verses that I believe describe the indescribable God. And we're going to journey through those this morning. And here's what Micah says in chapter 7. He says this. He says, who is a God like you? Can there be another one like him? Or is he so unique? Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? He says, you don't stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You'll tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Oh, I love how Micah describes the indescribable. He says, how unique is our God? He says, is there another one like him? Or is he one of a kind? Is he the one and only that's like this? 
I love that Micah doesn't just start talking about how glorious he is or how merciful he is or, or how, how holy he is and just. He says he's a forgiving God. He's one of a kind. You know, when you think of all the other world religions out there, there's many different ones. And you think of the Hindu religion. And the Hindu religion believes that there are, here's a little picture on the screen, 33 million gods. There's a God for everything. A God for this, a God for that. Uh, they have a God called Indra, who's the provider of rain, a specific God for that. Uh, one called Durga Devi, who fights the formal order. Uh, one called Saraswati, she's the goddess of learning. You've got Krishna, who's the teacher of sacred things. The, the, the Hindu religion has the, a trinity that is filled with Brahma, the creator, Vishnu, the preserver, and Shiva, the destroyer. But, but when it comes to sin... There is no God of forgiveness. The idea is that you have this karma, that if you live a good life and you're kind and you're friendly and you do good things, then you reap what you sow and in return you get good things and happiness from it. But if you do the opposite and you're a jerk and you're naughty and you're unkind, then you also reap this bad karma as well. In that religion, there is no place for forgiveness. It's just you, you get what you, you sow. But our God, the creator God, the God of the universe, the God over all other gods, he's a unique, indescribable God because he has the power to forgive sins. And that's how Micah describes him. Micah says, is there another God like him? Can there be another one like him? Who's a God like you who pardons sin? See, our God can do it all. He's just one and can do it all. Micah says, who, who, is, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives? And when I think of this idea of pardoning, I can't help but travel to the Roman Colosseum uh, where the gladiators fought. Now, I don't think I would enjoy a bloodbath and watching this happen, uh, but the story goes that as gladiators, usually criminals would come in and they might fight to the death and they may not. But uh, the, there's, there's this word, here it is on the screen, it's called, it says, polike verso. It's this idea of the turn of the thumb. You've seen this if you've watched Gladiator. Don't raise your hand if you've watched Gladiator. It's rated R, whatever, yeah. So the, 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 the people are watching Gladiators. They're, they're doing their thing. And if they want to eliminate the Gladiator, they just turn their thumb down. The, the, the story goes that the emperor had the power with the turn of the thumb that if he wanted to, he could thumbs up and pardon the Gladiator. Whatever he had done, whatever criminal act he had committed, he could be pardoned and he would be free. And when it comes to our God, he's a pardoning God. With the turn of a thumb, he's a forgiving God. No matter the crime committed, he's thumbs up. No matter the sin committed, he's thumbs up. He's always a thumbs up God. That's who he is. And it's such a relief to know that while I'm a sinner, and a failure at my attempts to be righteous, our God freely forgives and pardons my sins. In fact, as Micah describes God, he uses this word nasah, and it's this word to describe how he pardons, and it's so much different than how you and I think of pardoning and forgiving, because when we think of pardoning and forgiving, we think of it as a temporary thing. Uh, we, we think of it as a, as a uh, we're going to let you get away with it for now. N not forever, just for now. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a pass for now. 
Yet God's description of nasah pardoning, it means to lift it, to carry it, and to take it away as if he takes our guilt and removes it forever. And boy, do we ever struggle with guilt. Every one of us does. And I don't believe that guilt comes from God. I believe that guilt comes from the devil, that he puts guilt on your back and holds you there. I think conviction comes from God where he nudges you along on your journey, but guilt is from the devil. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat in my office. In fact, it happened just this last week on Wednesday morning. I sat with an incredible person as they poured their heart out to me and they told me their whole story, their whole journey, which included an affair that they feel so bad about and other decisions in their life that have uh, impacted every moment of every day for the rest of their life. And they poured their heart out and they cried on my couch in my office as they shared the guilt that they carry every moment of every day for the rest of their lives. See, we humans, we think of pardoning as temporary, as, well, well, we'll let you get away with it now, but we will remember it. We will never forget it. Whatever you did to me, I will always have in the back of my mind. Yet the way that Micah describes the indescribable, he describes him as someone that removes guilt, that carries it, that takes it and gets rid of it forever. Amen? David describes it this way in Psalm 103. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed, carried, there it is again, that Nassau, carried our transgressions from us. If you were to take your car and you'd go all the way to Wilmington, North Carolina, right there on the coast, and you, you put the rear wheels of your car in the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, and you started driving and you took I-40 and you drove all the way across the country, stopping at Bucky's because they've got really good stuff there. Keep on driving. You finally get to, to California or maybe you go to the furthest point of, furthest western point in our continental United States, Washington State, and you drive till your tires touch the water. You've gone as far as from east to west as you can, but east and west doesn't stop with shorelines. It doesn't stop with country lines. It just keeps going. It's eternal. It just moves on and on. The east keeps going. The west keeps going. And it just keeps going. Every step, every inch, every mile is further and further away from where it began. And that is how God's forgiveness and pardon is described. That's how far God removes our guilt as he lifts it and carries it and takes it away. As far as east is from west, it never ends. Are you with me this morning? Micah pauses in his in his, these verses as he's thinking about the indescribable, and he says this, here it is on the screen again, back to Micah. He says, who's a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? He says, you do not stay angry forever, but you delight in showing mercy. If you're having a hard time describing the indescribable, this is all you need to know. He's a God of love and patience and holiness and justice, but he delights in showing mercy. That's crazy talk. He's the most powerful being in the universe. He says something and things are created. His wishes are obeyed across the cosmos. He breathes and every living being takes a breath with him. He's so powerful so omnipotent that any disobedience, any sin, any rebellion could be obliterated with a snap of a finger, yet he delights in showing mercy. He loves it. He loves to show his undeserved, unmerited compassion. It gives him joy to show mercy. 
Micah keeps going on. He says, he does not stay angry forever, but delights in showing mercy. He says, you will again have compassion on us. You'll tread our sins underfoot. Now, this is a word picture that I can't, pa- I can't help but pause on. When I think of trampling it underfoot, I think of a mob rushing down a city street, just trampling everything in their path. Or uh, Mufasa in The Lion King, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. Like soldiers marching in step, crushing the ground beneath them. And this is how Micah describes the forgiveness of God. He says, I'll take your sins and I'll squash them, obliterate them, pummel them, tread on them till they are no longer. He goes on, he says, he'll hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Now, I've never been scuba diving before. I'd like to go. I think it'd be fun. But people that go scuba diving know that you can't go too far down. You can go quite a ways. Uh, Most people stop at about 130 feet as the very bottom. I I think the world record is something like 1,000 feet deep, which sounds pretty deep. But that's not the depths of the sea. You know the Marianas Trench out in the South Pacific Ocean? It's 36,000 feet deep. You could take Mount Everest and flip it up and stick it down in the trench, and it still would be over a mile below the surface, 7,000 feet down where it even starts. That's the ocean depths for sure. That's deep. Back in 2016, here's a picture of it. Some oceanographers, some uh, scientists, researchers, they they decided to take a titanium-encased hydrophone and stick it down in the depth as far as they could go. And they wanted, to, they wanted to hear the sounds of the depth of the ocean. What did it sound like? What's happening down there? They, they put the titanium case around it because they knew there'd be some pressure. And so they, they measured the pressure all the way down. And when they got it back up, they learned how much pressure is down there. Now, now you and I, in our daily lives, we have about 14.7 pounds per square inch pressure on us at all time. You feel it right now in this room. Uh, wherever you are, it's, it's, it's not heavy. You just know it's there. It's just pressure. But scientists found that it wasn't 14.7 PSI down there. It was 16,000 PSI down there. That will crush something. Can you imagine that? That's some crushing power. And that's where Micah says that he hurls our sins. He, he doesn't say he tosses our sins. He hurls them, obliterating them, gone forever, down into the depths, crushed and destroyed. You know, when it comes to describing the indescribable God, it's pretty easy, honestly. Because if he had an office with a door, with a nameplate on it, there would be several titles, but one of them would be something like this. Grace-filled, merciful, sin-hurling, iniquity-trampling forgiver of the universe. What a title for the King of Kings. John puts it this way in 1 John. He says this. Here it is on the screen. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. David puts it this way in Psalm 86. He says, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. God even describes himself in Isaiah. Here's how he describes himself. God says, I... I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Amen? Man, some husbands and wives need to do better at this, you know what I mean? Never remembering sins? What a God. But if you really want to get to know 
the God that's described as the forgiver of forgivers, you got to go to the cross. That's where you see it in flesh and blood. And I can't even imagine the indescribable God doing the indescribable as he picks up the cross to die for my sins. And what's crazy is that in the last few moments of Jesus' life, as he hangs there with a crown of thorns pressed into his brow, as his physical body is being crushed by the weight of the sins of the world, he's thinking about forgiveness. His conversation between the son and the father sounds like this in some of his last few words. Here's what he says. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Are you kidding me? (laughs) God's being crucified, and yet all he's thinking about is you and me. And as God dies, the universe gets a glimpse of the undescribable God. He's loving. He's patient. He's holy. He's just. And he's a forgiving God. His forgiveness and his pardon and his mercy, they don't make sense. It's completely illogical. It's the opposite of what we would expect to do. And it's for you and it's for me too. On December 20, 1943, a while ago, back in the midst of a a war, (laughs) Charles Brown a B-17 flying fortress bomber pilot. He had a successful mission where he had unloaded his payload of bombs right over Germany. Here's an artist's rendition of this story. His number two engine had already been shot out and wasn't functioning anymore. His plane was completely covered in bullet holes. Uh, the, The tail gunner had died. Uh, only three of the 10 forward, 11 forward-facing guns functioned anymore. He, because his engine had died, he was lagging behind the formation of bombers as, bombers as they're making their way back to safety. And as he lags behind the German uh, Air Force, they say, well, we're, we're going to get that guy. Down below, Franz Stigler, a German fighter pilot who had 27 confirmed victories. He's down there fueling up his plane. Pretty soon he's airborne. He tracks this bomber and he he comes up close to it and he looks across and he can see Charles, the pilot, with the co-pilot there and they have this quasi-conversation, the two of them. Uh, Just eye contact, maybe some hand signals, but they have this conversation back and forth to kind of talk to each other. And as Franz is there, he has the option to pull the trigger and, and light up that plane with bullets But instead, he pulls into formation behind this bomber so that all other German fighters would see that he's not a bad guy. He's in formation together. And Franz guides this B-17 bomber into neutral airspace where he can go home. That's grace. That's mercy. That's what pardon looks like. That's forgiveness. Many years later, in 1990, Charles and Franz, they found each other. Here they are together. (laughs) Two guys, two enemies, united because of pardon. They ended up both dying in 2008, just months apart after many years of friendship. 
The indescribable God is someone that I don't know if we'll ever fully understand until we sit at his feet and learn about who he is from his own mouth. And that day is coming soon, (laughs) y'all. I can't wait for the day that begins the rest of eternity where we can just sit with him and listen to him and be in awe of the indescribable God that loves us more than anything. Until that day, we're waiting for him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, what an incredible God you are. It's hard to even try to describe you, especially because you love us so much. What an incredible God to forgive us and give us mercy and grace. And God, as we wait and wait for you to come, we try to describe you, but that one day will come soon, God, where we can be with you forever. And until then, God, we wait and we love you and we can't wait to see you in Jesus' name. Amen.